Hello, and welcome to Fine Art Podcast, where the podcast is fine, but the art is fine. I'm your host, Keegan Shiner, and I like to talk to fine artists about what they're doing, what they were doing, where they're coming from, their history, their lives, their interests, you name it, I want to know about it, and that's what this podcast is about. So, that being said, my guest today is Crystal Brown. She's a Boston-based artist. Her work revolves around the psychological effects of economic class, ritual, and being at odds with one's environment. Crystal's work can be found at crystalbrownart.com. If you're listening to this, uh, or before you listen, or during, or after, if you want to see her work, it is at crystalbrownart.com. She's also on Instagram. She's at crystalbrown underscore art. Uh, so you can view the work while you're listening, or after, or during, or uh, right now. You'll hit pause and just view it, and then come back. And I'll still be talking uh, in the same place, because that's how pause works. <laughs> uh, also on this podcast, we like to have a guest who is not a fine artist. We call that the bridge to outside of the fine art world, um, which is uh, still a working title. But this week's bridge is Eric Sablin. He is an Indianapolis-based comedian and writer. And as you'll hear, he connects quite a bit to Crystal's work. So um, it's, it's really kind of cool to listen to. Uh, one thing I just jump right in on in this episode is Crystal works at a bakery and she designs like fancy cakes. And I am endlessly uh, interested in this uh, in this job, I guess. So uh, I, I like asking lots of questions about the cakes, but I was planning on connecting it to her art. So don't lose hope. There is art talk coming in this episode, but I think it might take a little bit to get into because uh, who doesn't want to hear about people making cakes? Uh, cakes are wonderful. So without further ado, I hope that you enjoy this episode and I'll talk to you on the other side. Wait, Eric, are you unemployed? Uh, yeah. I'm did you still, lose your job? Yeah, yeah, I did with um, with COVID and everything. So, oh, what were shop, you doing? Well, the shop I was running. Um, it's really funny. I was actually running one of like the most popular coffee shops in Indiana, <laughs> oh and God. then it shut down. Uh, and then I was trying to be as careful as possible, like going back. Like I'm old. I'm not super old, but I'm 37. I, you know. Yeah. I'm susceptible to health stuff. And I was like, I'm going to wait. And so I would talk to the owner and I was like, Hey, I'm ready to go back. And he's like, oh, I kind of had to get uh, somebody else to run it. And I'm like, Oh shit. So, but I mean, I've, I have savings, so I'm doing okay. Oh, that's, yeah. that's so cool. when you, oh. so when you were like, do you want to do this? I'm like, I have absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and Hank is gone. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do it. Nice, so nice. I came prepared with coffee and seltzer water and notes, so we'll see. Oh, cool, cool. Coffee. And Crystal, is your bakery still open? Yes. Yeah, we're doing very well, um, which is disconcerting in some ways because that means people are gathering for events like weddings, and I'm like, ugh. Well, I mean, you still want a cake, even if you're not having a party. Right. Well, but the serving sizes suggest that they're having a party. <laughs> oh, okay. Like that's true. Yeah. 
It's nothing. It is nothing that big, but I love cake. I might just order a big yeah. cake. It's I just... mean, <laughs> people have been ordering like per not personal size cakes, but like our smallest cake sizes and stuff. But um, and which what? is like totally cool. But when did you start doing that? Like what? Were you in college when you were doing that? I had just graduated. Just so, finished college. Okay. Yeah, I I took five years at Mass Art, like everyone does. And so I graduated 2012 and I got hired July, like July 1st or whatever, 2012. So I've been there for eight years. Okay. And you, you make the little like sculptures on the cake, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, not like all of them. There's a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I specialize in like people. Were you doing um, that when you first started or was that like? They actually, yeah, they trained me right away on that Okay. Um, because they needed another person to do that. Yeah, it takes a while to get good at it. But now I feel like I'm a better sculptor than I am a painter. Interesting. So Just I from think, doing ice icing? What is it yeah. made out of? Is, is it ice or sugar? Uh, <laughs> ice. It is melting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just no. has to be really cold. <laughs> I see. I, mean, I see. All the time. Yeah. Um, now who's falling asleep? <laughs> <laughs> so it's made out of uh, a mix. Well, we do a mix of fondant, which I guess is a type of icing, but I icing to me is like a non-word. Uh, it like doesn't really describe a lot, but it's fondant. Uh, fondant, yeah. Which is uh, we I've never heard of fondant. Of Really? Have. What is fondant? Oh, yeah, you, it's real remember, smooth. <laughs> no, vegan is like a cake Luddite because <laughs> I think this is when we had, we had our first How? show together. <laughs> no, you are. And we had our first year show together and I was like, oh, what cake flavors? Or, I don't know. I was asking him about cake flavors and I described, oh, how about marble cake? And he was like, what is that? And I'm like, it's chocolate and vanilla. I feel like that's a like, really common cake flavor. Like, people make that at home. And he was like, did it. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just making fun of you. Thanks for calling out my cake list knowledge. Hey. I, I think know? that Keegan likes to make people feel a lot smarter than they are. Oh. Like, he likes to make you think that you're teaching him something, but you're really not. Oh, but I could teach him way more than oh, what I know. marble cake is. <laughs> I'm just talking about myself, my interaction oh, with Keegan. No, but that's also <laughs> true. But this I, isn't a podcast about me, though. This is a podcast about Crystal. <laughs> and we, and and we were talking about, about fondant? <laughs> yeah, fondant. Fond? Um, yeah, it's made out of fondant and gum paste, which is another, like... Gum paste? Yeah, it's, like, sugar it, dough. So can you light it on fire and it... You can light anything on fire. Gun paste? Gum, not gun. Okay. I would not eat something called gun paste. <laughs> it sounds cool. I would put yeah. it on a cake. I mean, it's not like, it doesn't taste that good, honestly. Okay. It's supposed to harden better than other shit. It's just a chemical agent. I mean, that has a negative connotation. <laughs> Everything in it is real stuff. It's just... Okay. I mean, uh, I don't know. All these words are really subjective. Okay. I would say. So fo fondant is the flat, is the what? The flat sugar? <laughs> yes, it is flat. Okay. It can be 3D sugar, though. It can be not flat. 
Okay. But it's like, it's the smooth, like if you get a really smooth cake that has like a dough on the outside, like some people compare it to like marzipan. We had marzipan. Keegan, <laughs> you need to eat I things. don't know what that is. No, I don't. It's a baking okay. show, man. Like it's I, not- I watch baking shows. <laughs> See, I'm very okay, critical. Show, we'll talk about marzipan though. It's Ma- very European. I've it's heard like of it. It's very good. Marzipan. Well, see, yeah. it always makes me think of marsupials, and then I laugh because of marsupials, right? And and then marzipan is gone. I never figure out what that is. Okay, that's immediately fair. into marsupials. That's fair. I yeah. support your association with marsupials. The word. It's just the word. The word is so similar. Yeah, yeah, and the Mars part. So yeah. do you think about Mars then? Marza, marsup. Marsupials, Mars. Uh, okay, okay. Supials. I like your. I like where your brain goes. I, when I hear marzipan, I just think of how much I want to eat it. Okay, oh, I think um, of uh, strong bad and like Homestar Runner. Oh my God! Yes, marzipan. Marzipan. Yes, I don't remember anything funny that she said, but I, I think it's basically her answering machine was my favorite. Like, because it's just them all calling her answering machine. Oh, my God. I forgot. So I used to love the strong, bad emails. Oh, yeah. I love when I actually drive by or go by towns that he has pronounced wrong in the emails. Oh. My first bro. Oh, my God. I have a good memory. It's weird. It's it's useless. It's all useless information. That's internet history. Like, an internet historian, that's like a real thing nowadays. There you go. You got a job there. lined up. You got a job. I didn't I know this was career job. counseling either. Let's this start uh, a museum of internet history. Sounds yeah, like. I mean, I, there's like know your meme. That's people getting paid for that. Th- those people, I mean, they have to be. <laughs> I'm your, right. Your face I'm, right now is like. I'm I'm losing my mind right now. <laughs> like that, well, that's the real thing. Why not? Yeah, I just I, said it. It's real. It's 2020. Anything is fucking real nowadays. It's true. It's not it's real. True. I'm going to take a quick note of... Okay. <laughs> While he's taking a note, may I ask, uh, so you, you make these 3D sculptures on cakes, and they're very, very dainty. They um, are very dainty. Uh, I don't know if Eric saw any of these, but they're like lit- literally like very fancy, like people pay hundreds of dollars for these cakes yeah. type of cakes, right? Dainty. Yeah. But your work is super dirty. I mean, <laughs> just going through all your work, I just like, why is everything dirty in your work? I know. There's not one clean thing. You no. Know, like you draw a nice painting, you put ropes on it. You. No, you, it's so bad. You have videos I... of your dirty feet. You have videos yeah, of that, dirty uh, things. The video of my feet. I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, like my toes were hairy. I, they were, they were dirty. I think it was dirt underneath my toenails. That was when I was like in a residency at a residency at a farm. Yeah. And probably didn't wear shoes enough. I showered every day though. And they thought I was like, they thought that was quirky. They're like, (laughs) she showers every day. I'm like, people do yeah not not all people i know hey i got a lot i got a lot of uh uh hippies a stupid word but hippie friends that are that are actually dirty 
but yes, mm. my my artwork is is dirty. But if you remember, my studio was very clean. You're a clean person, is what you're saying. Yes. 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 The I, yes. I sh I shower. Um, well, and the cakes and the cakes and the cakes. cakes. Showers. Yes, cakes have yeah. to look. The whole thing with those cakes is that they they can't look fussed with. They have to look like they just like appeared. Yeah. They can't. They can't have like fingerprints and smudges and like. I mean, and then they do obviously because it's made by by human beings. But like, you have to make it like very clean, precise. Yeah. Yes. And but, like, I'm not even the best at that. Like wedding cakes have to be weird, right? Because you're like, you only get really, or you're only supposed to get one of them. Yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's, it's like, when I think about it, when I'm like, either not on the clock or when I'm done with something, I'm like, that's a lot of fucking pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's stupid because it's food. Yeah. But like people, it, people take it so seriously. Like most of our customers are really nice people and just like want something nice, but with this kind of job or this kind of field you get. I have to, I have a story about that because my wedding, we had this really nice dual layered cake. And the second we got it out the door and it was my wife's uncle who, who was holding it in the back seat. It spilled. <laughs> it's it like, like they went on a red light too fast. It's yep. all over the back seat. And the cake was like, in uh, we didn't get to see it thankfully uh but the the kitchen at the restaurant we went to fixed it like yep. just, just fixed it really fast we never saw it, it looked fine like I, i'm not a cake guy i guess not a cake kind of so exactly what should happen if there's a if there's a mistake or something bad happens the couple or like the people who are like you know getting their all the shit ready should not know it's right, every, it's right. people like me and like the you know if we drop it off to like a venue or something. Well, we didn't have it dropped off. We picked it up and then um, it, so it was our fault. Like, but do you ever think about that when the cakes are broken immediately? Like if we <laughs> after you it put up? in so you put in so much work and then immediately people oh my god stab and destroy we have, it. We've had people like so it's buttercream so it's fragile it's very soft. We've had people like leave oak leaf and they hold the fucking cake box like a football yeah. and it's like tell and we're like Ugh. and <laughs> once it's out the door or like once we place it at a venue we're just like not our fucking problem and yeah. we've gotten this lady picked up a cake i remember i remember i made this cake i made all the components it had a big 3d basketball on top made out of rice crispy with fondant on the outside whatever wow I put, so basically you have to put supports underneath it so it doesn't crush the cake and also like something like a dowel so it stays in the cake. That yeah. thing was not going anywhere. <laughs> but he must have either bumped it, smashed it, or like hit a red light too hard and it got damaged. And then she sent us pictures and was trying to blame us. We're like, we have pictures of the cake as it was at the bakery. Yeah, when that you was, left, yeah. You can't yeah, and she wanted us to fix it. We're like, no, because once it leaves the bakery, it's we can't guarantee that's food safe. Right. So we are not gonna take it back to fix it. You are know? you playing with something with your hands? Sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Don't do that. Okay. I don't play with things. <laughs> wow, you have very sensitive audio. 
Uh, well, because it's a podcast, people are listening to oh. it. Yeah, so they yeah. can hear it, you know. Well, uh, I'm sorry, people, for... <laughs> no, I'm I'll a... cut this out. I'll cut this out. Okay. <laughs> I'm a big fiddler, so I'll I'll get something else that's quiet to fid fiddle with. Okay. Yeah, fiddle with like a piece of cloth. No, I have so... this from Tufts University. It says stress elephant. Oh, perfect. A yeah. Stress elephant. Yeah, we all need that. <laughs> Even though the, the story of the real Tufts elephant is very tragic. It's and in so some fucking ways, sad. What you're doing is just perpetuating that tragedy. Yeah, but it's not real. <laughs> I mean, the, the this elephant's not real. But yeah, Jumbo had a very tragic life because <laughs> they did not care for animals. At, when was it? Like late 1830. Oh, okay. Okay. Isn't it later? I thought it was. He was like Barnum and Bailey. Yeah. I forget how he died. He was depressed. I think he was just depressed and walked in front of a train. What? Wasn't, wasn't that Jumbo? Well, are we talking know. about an elephant? Yeah, yeah, like an actual elephant. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so elephants are like super mating. Like they really like mating yeah. with each other. And, and like they have boyfriend, girlfriends, right? So when you, when you mate them, you have to keep them together. And if you separate them, they get very depressed and sometimes commit suicide. And if you look up elephant suicides, you'll see like a whole bunch of different elephants have done this. Um, so that's a fa fun fact. Oh my that's God. another thing that makes me just so happy to live in this year, <laughs> knowing that elephants will commit suicide. Yeah. If they so when you're, when, you're, when you're squeezing a nice elephant uh, <laughs> stress ball, you can think of that story as perpetuating elephant suicide. Uh, you get is this not what you wanted to talk about let's talk about <laughs> cakes <laughs> uh. let's talk about cakes so people you make these like very pristine cakes and then people immediately destroy them mm -hmm. and in some ways you do that same thing to your art do you see the connection in that when you're making oh, yeah. stuff okay yeah i think i think that's why in grad school like people had this like uh, they were very preoccupied with the fact that I make cakes. Like, I feel like everyone came into grad school, like in our cohort, and they had like some kind of, you know, some kind of fun uh, water cooler story, or you know what I mean? Like something to break the ice with. And mine was cake decorating. The cake decorating. Right. Well, would you prefer never to talk about cake decorating with no. your art? Or is it? No, it's, yeah, okay. it, is, it is part of it. I mean, because I, I don't see it as part of your art at all. Well, like, it's not what your art's about, and you no. don't use it in your art. So I, all I'm pointing out is the, the, like, weird interplay between people destroying your cakes and you destroying your art, usually. Oh, I think about yeah. that like, all the time. And, I mean, cake decorating has made me, like, more keyed into, like, even more keyed into, like, wealth disparities and, like, what people are willing to spend their money on and... Uh, consumerism and just like these just like weird high-end shit that like I I get it from an aesthetic point of view because I'm an artist so I appreciate craft and I appreciate aesthetics and I appreciate like people being passionate about a really like kind of esoteric art form I get that but at the same time coming from like a class issue it's you, like you can't buy a gold toilet right is that no and i wouldn't <laughs> you never would 
no. if, if I gave you a hundred thousand dollars and you could buy a gold toilet and that's could all you, you give could me a hundred thousand dollars Keegan I'd, that's I all would... you could use it for okay well I guess then I'm, I'm forced to buy a gold toilet like <laughs> or you can give the money back to me that's the only two options uh, that's a <laughs> shitty <laughs> all right fine I'm taking the gold toilet and I'm... Eric, Eric what would you do <laughs> Oh man, I, I, I don't. I think that I think I would buy the toilet and just remind you every day that <laughs> you wasted your money. Yeah. On a gold toilet. Yeah. Like, I would send a, you pictures every day. It was a gift to you. Yeah, I would like. I would invite like homeless people over to use it, and Good. they'd be like, Take pictures of all the shits that happened. Yeah, just the, the yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then print it out. I'm glad that part. you enjoyed your toilet. Yeah. yeah. It's a gift. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, I'm happy that you're happy. Right. <laughs> it, it wasn't a waste to me. I had $100,000 lying around. Yeah. That I wanted you to buy a toilet with. <laughs> I don't think a, to a gold toilet would be $100,000, though. If you were a megalomaniac and you just had money laying around and you, you forced your friends to buy stuff, what would you force them to buy? Space ice cream. Space <laughs> ice cream. That was a really quick answer. <laughs> Like, it's like, that was there. You didn't even. I have, I love space ice cream. <laughs> okay. I think about it a lot and how I'm like, I really want some crunchy ice cream. I've never had crunchy ice cream. Well, it's space ice cream and. I've never been in space, so. I, nor have I. And I okay. don't think I'd ever want to because I watch a lot of shows about being in space and I, I, Watching a show from the comfort of my bed about <laughs> space will give me like near panic attacks. So like, but I love it at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have indulged in space ice cream. You can Eric, get it at REI. What would you buy your friends? Oh, I would probably force them. I would buy them season passes that they had to go watch live theater. Oh, cool. Because okay, I, that's actually cool. I mean, it took me a second, so I didn't have space ice cream right there. But <laughs> I, the the thing is, I feel like we don't like, especially now. I miss it so much. Yeah. And what like my like I took my mom to go see Jersey Boys in Vegas, and she had never been to a play before, and oh yeah, like lost her mind. Oh my god. And it's like to have that experience, and people were just like, oh, I don't want to go see a play. Like that's lame. I'll watch a movie or whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, I know. it's so different. Like. It's a completely different art form, you know? Yeah. I would do that. Well, Eric just showed me up because that's like a <laughs> nice thing to do for humans art. It's not a but, gold but toilet. But his friends but... don't want to go and he's yeah. forcing them to go. Yeah. So it's still not a nice thing. No, it's, I mean, but I, if you gave me that, I'd be so like fucking thankful. <laughs> right. But that's because you're. Yeah. You, you already know, do that. Yeah. yeah. Like that's something you would like to do. What would you force your artist friends to do? I think I would send them to the Super Bowl every year. Oh, the, I hate I the like whole, that. like, oh, yay, sports ball. Like, you know what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know the Super Bowl is football. Don't lie to me. Yeah. Oh, I love saying sports ball. I know, but, and I get it, and I understand, but I'm just like, why? It, if you were up front at these sports things, you would be excited because they are, like, actually very you know acrobatic and well balanced and it's just kind of well like balanced. fun to see people at the top of their you know physical you I, know, I think i would send my art physical peak 
my theater friends, I would send them to like live wrestling. <laughs> no, that's right? theater. That's yeah, it is theater, theater, but like you don't think of it that way. You're just like, oh, this is like weird. And it's it's so fun to watch. And yeah, that's my like dirty little secret is like I love professional wrestling. This isn't about me. So you like, <laughs> No, I'm enjoying <laughs> I'm enjoying just meeting you and knowing these like random deep facts about your life. Oh, yeah. that, that gives me life. Crystal, what uh, about you with your artist friends? Oh, uh, well, I have a couple different groups of artist friends. So oh, um, I would say like my mass art friends, what would I, like an event I would send them to? No, like something that they would like never do that you enjoy. I guess like, well, with like Andrew, I've made him like take me to a petting farm. That's, and that's something. Yeah. That's something. But I feel like the rest of my, like, and he, he he's like, I am, I'm enjoying you. I'm enjoying watching you enjoy yourself. I do not need to hold this chicken, though. And I'm like, you need to hold this fucking chicken. It's so (laughs) fucking soft. But I feel like my other friends are, like, totally about going going to a petting farm. I'm trying to think of something I, you know, I kind of did enjoy Vegas. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, even though it's materialistic and tacky? Yeah, I kind of love that. Yeah, me too. I love it from, like, it's like a love-hate. Um, I think it's like something that everyone should experience once, ideally not in June because it's hot as ever loving fuck, but, uh, it's better hot than cold there. I'll I'll say that. Uh, The the desert when it's cold and you're wearing a sweater. Oh, it gets so Uh, cold. Yeah. Yeah. I used to go in the dead of winter and it's, it's okay. So I don't like to be hot. I don't mind being cold. Okay. Uh, I don't but, but, like the heat. I mean, it's like windy, cold, and, and you like you get chilled, you know? It's like, because yeah. you're not expecting it. It's I, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. I'm totally fine with that. I will say they have like a booming contemporary art scene there. They and do. Like, they actually, I, I saw quite a, like even in the hotels, like, of course, it's like art that appeals to most people, but like, it's still, I was still like kind of surprised. I was like, oh, I know that artist. But like, in town, they have galleries and they have the Neon Museum and they also have the, um, in, in the desert, they have that sculpture park that you can go to. Now. Yeah, I haven't been to that. And I, I never got to go to the Neon Museum, which is unfortunate. It, it sounds as cool as it is. Yeah. I know, I know there's like a residency there, I think. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's like a, it's a really strange place. It's like a strange part of America, and I feel like everyone should see it at least once. It kind of goes like, to your blue collar roots too. Like, yeah, yeah. Does I mean, it my mom, that? yeah, like my mom really, really loved Las Vegas because it's like it's very like aspirational American. It's like you could win, you know, a life's fortune here, but you probably won't. You will probably or, lose twenty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, or or your fortune, right? Or, or your fortune. Yeah. It's like there's like a big like within American culture, there's this big like it's tied into individualism, but it's all tied with like risk. Yeah. Um and we we're seeing it play out right now, like with Trump and everything. But there's this whole obsession with risk and and thinking that you are deserving of the highest prize of that risk. I mean, everything there in Vegas can offer that type of risk. Like, funny story. 
I, one time I, so I've been, I've been two or three times. I don't remember, like, because my mom was so obsessed with this place. We went to downtown Vegas, which is like that, the part that I actually really liked because it was more seedy and it was like, right. just like, it felt more like how Vegas actually was uh, before it got cleaned up and like available before to it, families. Before it became nice to go to. <laughs> yeah. Before it became like a family place. Cause it's yeah. not, a fam- it's really still not a family destination, but I was, so I was pl- playing some slots. It depends um, on if you take your family there. Yeah. Yeah. Really well, <laughs> My mom took her daughter, like, you know. Yeah, I grew up like, going there, like, as a child. Oh, where'd yeah. you grow up? Uh, I'm from San Diego, so it's a four and a half hour drive. Oh, okay, so it's like going to New York or something. Yeah. How like, many times did you go there? Uh, I've, I mean, I would go every summer at least, and then throughout the oh year we'd God. go two or three times. But, like, the youngest I remember being there was being six. Yeah. And my cousin, who's five, and my parents and all the family would be gambling and they would leave us in the Circus Circus Arcade. Yeah. And your cousin who was five. Yeah, I was responsible you. for him. Oh. I would, we would leave. Oh, yeah. We'd just leave and, and no one said anything. Well, that was also in the, like, I'm guessing the 80s. Yeah, well, yeah, like, so. like early 90s, yeah. Early or 90s. no, 80s, like 89, yeah. Like, still, like, I have a four-year-old that would never be like, hey, six-year-old, come watch my child. Well, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. were kind of the last generation of, like, you know wandering oh, kids yeah. yeah you can go out and just do your own thing <laughs> you'll be fine you'll be fine <laughs> yeah yeah um but then again they used to print child's photos on milk cartons like yeah. every week so right. they don't do that as much yeah no and there's no trade-off trade-off you know right? well I, know. I think that's when like the country started to realize like we uh, shouldn't let our kids wander around vegas probably no yeah. no there's like it's a happy medium, though, between being <laughs> completely irresponsible and also, like, uh, you know, a helicopter parent or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, well. So back to your, back to your. Yeah. Oh, so, yes. In downtown Vegas, I was playing some slots. And my, I would always play something, like, right near my mom. So, like, you know, we're there together. And, like, it's also, like, you know, I'm a young woman. I was, you know, 21 at the time. I was very young. And this guy comes over to me and he propositioned me. He thought I was, and I wasn't wearing anything like, I was wearing like a tunic top with like leggings. And it was tight, but it was also like, you know, it's fucking summer. Like, yeah. I was, yeah, I, I, I uniform. yeah, I was, I was, and even so, like. Right, what is that even? You yeah, know, that's like, like, I have friends who are sex workers that like, don't wear anything like that like yeah unless they like have to for like a certain client or whatever it's requested but, yeah and so I was like I didn't know what was happening because like you know I was like why are you talking to me <laughs> and he's and then you know whatever he like goes on and on and like then I fi- kind of figure out what he was doing and I was like I'm here with my mom <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what, was, what was his pitch to you what, what, what did yeah you what was and his then pitch I, what, like, what did he come up and say? I'm, I'm oh, I, you know, I don't remember. It was like, what are you doing tonight? Or, oh. um, <laughs> you know, who are you with? Or something like that. It was like, it, it just like, it went from like a curiosity of like, why is this man talking to me? To suddenly like, yeah. terror of like, oh, what are you like, yeah. you know? And I think a lot of like women are like, fun people understand that. There's like a, there's a switch that happens. 
And so, and like, he didn't, he wasn't like threatening me or anything. He was just, he, he thought, he either thought I was a sex worker or like uh, someone that he could, I don't know, just pick up, up just with. Yeah. Yeah. Pick yeah. Up, yeah. Imagine having that confidence. Right? He, was, <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was like a middle-aged man. Not that that's like bad, but like he was not good looking. I was yeah. like, you're well, everyone there is on drugs and yeah. drunk. Have so been up eight days in a row. Yeah, or... yeah. He was very lucid though. Like I don't think that he was drunk yet. I I might have been having a drink in my hand. That's when I found out. Like if I drank really quickly through a straw, I get kind of drunk. My mom's <laughs> like, "Don't drink through the straw. You'll drink too fast." <laughs> so yeah, That's Vegas funny. is a weird place. Everyone should go. Everyone who's listening. Um, or you, you'll force your friends to go one day. I yeah. will force my friends, and I won't go with them because I'm I'm good. <laughs> go. Oh, you're done with Vegas. Yeah, I mean, no, I I thought about going back. I just don't like I don't like wasting money. I don't like gambling. That Interesting. Much. I like getting a scratch ticket here and there, but like money is so hard earned and hard to keep and hard to grow that wasting it like very likely wasting it on a slot machine it's just like i'd rather go to an arcade where i know i'm wasting it right and then i get cool prizes like oh i have like two donut pillows that was definitely worth like the 40 dollars i sunk into (laughs) (laughs) you know or like uh you know tons of candy also, like, just giving my tickets to, like, kids, too. That's pretty fun when I don't feel like getting anything. When I'm, like, I'm an adult, I can buy candy at a fraction of the price <laughs> I just spent. So here's tickets. Maybe that's the other thing. I'd make them go to an arcade. I'd have to find some friends that don't want to go to arcades, and I'd make them go to an arcade. Yeah. Um, actually, I have a lot of video footage of various arcade games because I want to do something with that someday. It'll probably just be something I have, like, stupid B-roll of shit, but it's, like, they're really, and, again, I guess that goes back to, like, Las Vegas, like, the the lights and the music and the, you know, if it's, like, moving and stuff, it's something, like, really, oh, it's really seductive, so I'm... I'm actually, when I was looking at some of your installations and some of your work and all of the prep for this, I noticed that there's a lot of, like, things that look really nice, but they're broken. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a very light, but it's like, that is so aesthetically pleasing, but there's darkness behind a lot of it. Yeah. And, like, that was something that I was just, like, really, like, so I cycle and I ride my bike everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. So the ghost bike piece that I saw was really kind of interesting to me because I didn't, I'd never seen a ghost bike until I went to Chicago mm. and saw one on the side. And like, I had to like, it was like a weird thing that I had to start asking people about what, what it was, what it was like, what kind of, if you don't mind me asking about that piece in general, like what was the. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm really happy you guys went on my website, even though like, I will say it's crap right now. I need to put way more stuff on there. Your website um, is uh, crystalbrownart.com. Not to be confused with crystalbrownfineart.com. Oh, there's a crystal. Oh. Which I did a bunch of research on that lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
And she lives where? Yeah. Where does she live? Uh, so she's from Wyoming. She's done art in Texas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, she's the youngest of five children. The oldest. Like, which is no, why I'm the youngest of five children. This is why yeah. I sent her website to him because I thought the picture of her family was your family because it Wait, looks so Wait, no, I'm going on this website. This is. It's not fine art. Is it spelled the same? Oh, it's K-O-Y-F-P-A-L. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So different. Yeah. So I did a bunch of like, like work on that page, like looking and taking notes. And like, I had all this prep stuff. And then I started like looking at your Instagram and all this other crap. <laughs> You're like, what? I'm like, That's my bad. I was so lazy. <laughs> that is so funny. Because oh, I, it's I, like very nice, like very like formally. Oh yeah. But, but this okay. picture looks like could be your picture, you know? Wait. Right. Not that you're blonde, but like the the like tacky eighties picture. I just thought it was Yeah, you. that could be me. That I just thought like it was your family. I was like, that that must be them. Yep. Because <laughs> your work is so much about your family and I was like I know. I wonder how old she is though. She's older than me. She looks a bit older. Yeah. Yeah. She like in it was weird because like she talks about how she was spent a lot of time alone because she was the youngest child. No, that's just like my story too. Okay, good. Well, I have this question then because I had prepared this question for that. <laughs> um, is growing up, I I grew up as the youngest of five. I'm my parents by the time I was born just really were done raising kids, and I spent so much time alone. Mm -hmm. um, so my view on like my artistic view on the world is so much different from my family. Yeah. Like my parents never went to any plays, any shows, anything. Mm -hmm. Like, so I don't have a, like a big, like push from my parents to go be a successful artist. Hmm. Is that something that you have or that you feel you have or it took you a while to get? Yes and no. Um, I also am the youngest of five, but they're all half. Um, my family is confusing to a lot of people because uh, most people aren't you a lot of people like I when I grew up in the town I lived in which was like predominantly middle class upper middle class white people mm -hmm. um so hearing about like half siblings wasn't like as common like divorce wasn't as common at that time and I mean it obviously it happened it's the 90s it's still like it's not like I grew up in the fucking 50s or whatever but like so that part's confusing to, to a lot of people and there's a big age difference. Like my closest brother is seven years older than me. Oh yeah. Um, and then my oldest brother was 19 years older than me. Yeah. So he could have been my father. Um, yeah. So different, like literal different generations. Like the seven years older brother is still technically a millennial, but the other ones are Gen X, like, you know, or, you know, young Gen X, but like, um, so that's that's a different thing. Um, my parents weren't college educated, barely finished high school, but they they really valued art. They didn't understand it, but they saw that I was artistic, and they were like, we. They didn't have the means or the know how to like you know nourish it like completely, other than like give me coloring books and art supplies, and like my uncles would get me like art stuff. Like they knew how to do that they were like my my mom was actually the one that encouraged me to go to art school okay. over something really else cool. yeah so 
when we toured Mass Art, my mom, like, just, like, sighed. She's like, I could picture myself going here. I always wanted to be an architect. Okay. And my dad wanted to be an architect too. But. Yeah. So I think, I think for, especially our parents' generation, I don't know what like your education level, your parents have, but like, you know, my parents just saw me going to college as like another like check mark of like aspirational okay. American dream. Like they didn't care where I went, how, you know, they, they were very naive thinking I can get into free anywhere. Cause I had good grades and I'm like, I got good grades, but they're, I'm not like, a valedictorian even then you know what I mean like yeah so no that's I would you know when my mom was still alive um I would take her to like the Isabella Stewart in Boston she really liked that place um I wouldn't really take her to like the ICA I feel like that was maybe a little out of what like her interests were but like she liked going to the MFA she liked art she often had pretty insightful insightful things to say about art so it made me think like oh see art is pretty accessible you just have to make people comfortable and yeah. most institutions are not comfortable places for people without the education and language and um and that's not even touching on like race and other things um or ability essentially just the cost of entry right oh and then just like yeah, yeah the cost yeah. i mean it's it's like 20 dollars to get in the mfa like i i don't go as much as i want to simply because it is 20 dollars to go and you know i have that money but it's like i have to kind of figure out what i want to do you know how to manage it but yeah no my parents were very supportive i think with so my parents died when i was in grad school and even before they passed away, it was hard for me to like talk about the work that I was making just because like it was becoming more than just paintings and. Right. So in, in, in uh, mass art though, you were making right. similar paintings to now, which is a, yeah. unusual when you look at other people's works, like yeah. what they're working on like six years later is usually something completely different. Yeah, but no, my were, paintings have matured a lot, but they... They're essentially similar. They're similar, yeah. yeah. Um, How did you yeah. come across that style to begin with? Like, what was the, what was the first day oh. that you kind of, like, figured out that style? And, and you know the style, like the map with the squiggly lines. And yeah, the, <laughs> uh, the map with the squiggly lines. I, uh, just sure. to break it down really simply. Um. I think if you asked me that, if you asked me this question every day, I'd give you a different answer. Okay. So, so the answer <laughs> I'm going to give you tonight. Um, well, I guess I could go really far back and then take it to like more like adult times, like when I was an adult. But uh, my obsession as a kid one of my obsessions was um we have these like old atlases like the funk and wagnalls atlases and as soon as i started to be able to read i love to look through it and i especially love like world maps because um i was really interested in like other countries i was interested in like my family history i was interested in like just like how people lived and where like i would go look at china and, and like look at all the different letters that would make a town's name and like not understand how it's pronounced and it seems so completely foreign to me obviously because it was like and i didn't grow up in a very like you know my my parents never left the country so like 
they like just that that's probably what pushed that interest and I really liked um I had a, a globe that was made in the I don't know it was probably made in the 70s so the the um borders of countries had changed and I remember like kind of making that comparison as a kid and be like what like I thought this country was this shape oh, yeah. and now it's this shape because the, the you know the atlases were uh, more updated yeah, and it changed a lot too, right? Yeah, there. it changed a lot. And like, you know, there suddenly was a lot more countries in like the Balkans and stuff. Yeah. So that to me, and of course I didn't understand geopolitics whatsoever, but I, I think noticing that it was starting to be like, well, why are these, why are boundaries? Why are boundaries? <laughs> like, what are these things? And um, so this paint, this painting, this is like, on your Instagram, it's like one of the first of these sort of map paintings. Can you see? Yeah, I was like, oh, from 2014? Oh yeah, that was before I had an art Instagram. Wow, you dug. <laughs> I forgot about, like, I don't remember this painting. I think I gave that to someone. It says Sierra National Forest. Landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was um that was made either during or after my first residency um in California. Okay. Which was during college or or after college? After. Okay. Two years after I graduated. So I was like 25. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 25. So you had this like the red line. You had yeah. like the broken bridge and the the trees and it looks very similar to your current work yeah i mean well, similar not exact and, no and no it's like yeah. you can see that it's like part of, it's made for, from the same person right huh which is really <laughs> cool to have a very specific style yeah like i i i think that that's something that a lot of sorry i was looking at keegan's like calves to see if there was anything interesting that i could mess with him <laughs> with about i don't want to see all the tabs i have <laughs> I, I think that the, cause this does look like a lot, like even the painting versus the installation, like I can tell it's like the same, without oh. lack of a better word, like soul, like it reminds me same of soul. the, like, like, no, I the, love that. like there's that installation where there's that red ribbon that goes around, mm -hmm. right? Like it's the same thing, but it's used differently. It makes you know, to me anyway, like I, I see similarities, which are, which is amazing. Then you have oh. these little, little tiny uh, paintings with like yeah. the same style. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember making these? Yes, I okay. do. Actually, the one on the top uh, left, I've made variations of that one a few different times because I, and this is weird, like I've never made like an exact piece or almost exact piece, it's never exact. I've never made something like so similar again and again and again. And I, I don't know why I called it the hum too. What is, what is it? So that was a view that I, uh, at, at that residency, I would see like a radio towers. I have this strange obsession with, you see like radio towers, power lines, um, and just like the, um, electrical wire in a lot of my work. And it, the very deep part of it is I don't know exactly what it is. Like, I have all these theories as to why I need to, like, paint them or draw them or think about them. 
Yeah. And I try to think like, is it something from when I was a child? Is it something of, you know, uh, that I thought about as a, you know, a young adult? Like I, I try to like find where in my life it was. Cause I feel like it's really sick. It is very significant. I just think I like these man-made structures and like really otherwise natural environments and like how it like relates to our relationship with space. And I think that's why I also have an obsession with maps because it's not, I like geographical maps enough, like topographical, those are cool looking, but I've always been interested in like road maps or political like border maps um, more yeah. so than like maps that like depict natural phenomenon. So I, I feel like there's a relationship between those two things, but I don't know how, I don't know more about it like i'm still i'm still searching for it and i think that's why i still paint yeah. um and eric that's really interesting that you found that connection because i talked i talked to my roommate about it i talked to my you know my partner my friends like i don't know like if i ever have a show how the like how do i incorporate my paintings and with my illustrate like or um not illustrations um installations because I feel like they're so different. People are probably like thinking it's made by two different artists. Like, you know, in grad school, of course, we're very much pushed to do something different. So I did. And I love installation work, but I can't really do it like where I live now. Right. Yeah. The way I want to. <laughs> you can. Yeah. yeah, you can. And then you have to think about it differently. And there's like, but I've just been painting and doing like video and photography. So it's like a little bit more like- hey, what? When did you start doing these collage type of paintings? Oh, so undergrad? Yes, undergrad. Oh yeah, this is an older work. Some of them I did at the first residency in California and some of these I did my first semester of grad school. I was just wondering what year you were doing these in California. 2014. Like no fires so, that I knew. Yeah, so like being from Southern California or being and living up and down California, it feels like California. Mm -hmm. Like like the bottom on my screen, it's the bottom right. Looks like, mm -hmm. like to me, that looks like LA, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just the city's always kind of there. It's mass expansive, but the sky always looks like crap. There's, <laughs> it's very, like even those radio towers that we were talking about before, to me as a kid growing up in California, looking across and seeing trees and the red dot mm -hmm. in the sky, was something that like I can still vividly remember looking at right yeah. like this this is yeah like there's a bike again you know the ghost bike yeah and I, I can answer that question too um with the ghost bike but yeah I think being in California it really felt like a place where people and nature were trying very hard to get along but not succeeding yeah um yeah. where I was it was it was like a constant battle against it, just bugs and you know i grew up <laughs> in the suburbs i i what remember kind of bugs what kind of bugs oh my god okay so that's when i found out what a tarantula hawk was <laughs> if you know, okay so eric obviously knows what a tarantula hawk is i don't and i don't they're the literally the most terrifying thing this earth has produced are those um, those big like bugs with the wings well, they, they are bugs with wings, but yeah. they are neither tarantulas nor hawks. 
Right. Yeah, they're just giant, like, moth, but, like, scarier. No, well, I would not... I called it, like, angry bee with latex or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a postcard to my friends and stuff, and I described it like that. Yeah, it was just, like, a... Like, um, I felt very, like, burdened by the environment there. It was, it was the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains, so... It was like on the border of it being very arid and being like, I don't know if alpine's the right word, but it's still like, it's still an Arab, Arab, um, <laughs> arid, it's still Arab. Huh, I wonder if that's like a weird brain connection. Um, it's a very arid but green space. I don't know. Like, I, I think it was just like every day, like going out to my studio space in this place, which was a converted turkey coop mind you uh so it was it was cool. it's a good place to keep the artist. your classic yeah. art training is yeah. i know i was in a converted turkey coop <laughs> um so elegant art is yeah. so elegant and yeah it was refined it was uh, neither elegant nor refined but it did its job and it was like secured enough i remember the people who ran it they were like if you take a walk you need to be careful because there's been mountain mountain uh, lion sightings and that just like jesus christ like you know <laughs> i'm used yeah. to like walking in my woods in my little hometown with like maybe i'll see a fox there was a bobcat once where are you from originally chelmsford, Chelm yeah. chelmsford. Uh, yeah it's it's uh like 10 minutes from where at least where i live it's 10 minutes from new hampshire okay all right like 10 so, to 20. It's a big is it town. a super small town no, people-wise, it's like thirty-two to thirty-four thousand. It's, it's pretty like, decent. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a suburb of Lowell, basically. And, oh, I see. And, okay, and of Boston, I guess you could say it's twenty-five miles northwest of Boston. Yeah, just like I felt very like pressed down by the environment, but not in a way that was like unenjoyable. But it was like I had to, you know, we had to conserve water because the i the the whole thing with drought was very present and <laughs> eric why are you nodding yes it's, dude, i know that, i'm like preaching to the choir to like you. it's so weird because growing up you would be they would be like well don't water the grass for how yeah. long i don't know until they tell us we can ever yeah <laughs> yeah or, never or my mom would be like the water shut off the water and i'm yeah. like i'm washing dishes we'll shut it off between when you're when you're yeah. soaping and then turn it on to rinse it but shut it off quick and i always said my mom always tried to make it sound like it was because we were like poor or something but we weren't we were middle class upper middle class right like yeah and it's just because like in california that's what you're taught you know <laughs> about water wars and all this oh, like, yeah. that's not your water it's coming from colorado like it's how long of a shower do you take now eric now Oh, as long as I want. Like, <laughs> I live in Indiana, dude. The water, the water in my building is free. I don't have to pay for it. I don't worry about any abundance of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but before in California growing up, it was like, you learned it. Like you yeah. would go to camp and they would teach you. It's like rinse, lather, rinse, done. As quick yeah. as possible. It's as quick as possible. Less yeah. than 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like lived it. in LA for a year. So yeah. I was I trained in the way of water conservation. It's, it's, it's so like, and it is, it's a matter of life and death for a lot of people, right? Because yeah. the farming is so big, especially in like middle California. Mm -hmm. right. But yeah, like I, 
I get what you mean about the whole, you can't go into the wilderness in California without being aware that you may die. Yeah. Right. There's cougars, there's bears, there's snakes, like, you lots know, of snakes. Yeah. Lots of snakes. And it's, plus it's really hot. Usually. Yeah. It's you, hot. It's yeah. Hot. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you can get lost quickly. Canyons, you're falling down canyons, you're falling in, you know. There's rocks falling down on you. Yep. Possibly. Yep. Growing up in my in my neighborhood, the canyon behind my elementary school used to be an old military installation where they would fire off bombshells. <laughs> I so, love that. So there were signs that's like if you find one, don't touch it or step on it. Because in your brain, like in it was just like you're gonna die in the canyon. Don't go in the canyon. So no when you were six, did you go pick one up? <laughs> no, I never went in there. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Which turned into this whole thing about why I hate being outdoors. Anyway, this uh, is about me. This is about you, I guess. No, no, I love this because I'm like, I want to go. Like, <laughs> see, I would have been, I mean, so nature was very pressing there, but I, I grew up next to uh, like a whole cluster of abandoned buildings. And, oh, you best believe I've been in literally all of them except for the one that wasn't abandoned. So there was, there's like a, for me, there's like a funny connection between that just because it's like, I mean, it's somewhere where you feel like you're not supposed to go, especially abandoned building, you're obviously not supposed to go there. And the feeling of danger, like, you know, a building that has been abandoned for years is not safe. Like, I mean, I've been in places that were not safe to go in. And because I'm dumb, um, is that it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was adventurous, so like in my own way. Uh, How many abandoned buildings have you gone in? Should I count buildings or places, like individual buildings? Uh, let's start with buildings, and we'll add places afterwards. Okay. Well, I mean, like place, like I, I this was like a cluster of buildings. So there was one, two, three five i think five there boston i've been in two buildings um uh, i've been under recently i went underneath a uh victorian house i went underneath it because it's like being moved farther up in the property <laughs> Eric says, uh, no that doesn't count no no, no not i wasn't in it i'm just like absolutely not i'm not going under it <laughs> oh no i went underneath <laughs> it yeah, it was cool. Why did you go under a Victorian house? I mean, why not? I wanted to take really ghosts? I mean, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Oh, I welcome the ghosts. That's what I want to see. Uh, I've been in an abandoned train tunnel. I've been in, I don't know if I should say the next thing, like where it's public because it was really illegal. So I've been somewhere. <laughs> Please incriminate yourself as much as possible. Yeah. I want to know so bad. No. It was a government <laughs> It was a government uh, owned space. Oh, okay. I'll leave it. Previously that. or is it still government owned? I don't know. Okay. At that Good time answer. it was still. Okay. It was still in use as a government owned space but the majority of it was abandoned. Okay. Like, I'm nervous that she's talking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was a sting operation, yeah. Crystal. Yeah, I know. I know. Any um, second, they're going to kick down your door. It's years ago, and, you know, I guess oh, there's yeah. probably a statute of limitations on that, but. Um, <laughs> 
That's cool. You know? So you, you like going into abandoned spaces. Yeah. And even if it's like nature, that just doesn't feel like, like when uh, at this residency, I came up and they told me that this existed there, but it was like a, it was an indigenous like campsite that was used, you know, thousands, you know, a thousand, two thousand years ago by whatever uh, local indigenous uh, tribe. And it was like, kind of like a flat stone surface, like raised, just like a big boulder. And there was like these holes that they would use to like grind like corn or maize or whatever. So that feels pretty cool too. So yeah, I mean, just like, I like spaces like that. And maybe that's why like the radio towers and like the power lines, it just something feels like it's part of our recent history, but removed from it. I'm actually reading this book it's by the MIT press. It's called ruins. And it's like a bunch of, it's like a compendium of like, uh, writings by artists and like philosophers and stuff like that. And like how artists and creative type people are really moved by ruins. And I think for me, like I'm really attracted to modern ruins. So things that are more recent, like within the past, you know, maybe a couple hundred years, but like something more recent is is what I find I don't know more interesting it's so interesting because like your paintings to me they look like when you're on a car trip and you like pass by those towns Mm -hmm. like everyone is looking at the river on one side and I'm looking at like these abandoned or like weird I'm looking at like power line (laughs) yeah like but they're always like within the trees and like the like there's always that uh, it's always blurry right just mm-hmm. like sort of like your paintings and like that's what your collages kind of remind mm-hmm. me when i look yeah, at I, them i have yeah. notes that say child's eyes like that that's what you're seeing as you're driving and you like the notes so at least your you know your art is speaking what we think it's speaking to everybody yeah <laughs> no, that's, it's cool to hear like especially with like my older work or my my painting work it's like yeah it's definitely like the places i've like driven through been to like whether it's like some you know my hometown or like places i've even like painted parts of china that i've seen that reminded me of of home it was just like i don't know uh i guess it's like a pretty universal thing to see something like kind of decrepit on the side of the road and like you just wonder so much about it like why it was left there and yeah or if people are using it right people are using it and it's kind or, of like recaptured by nature yeah it's like it's like what what i guess like the idea that i come back to is like what is a ruin because yeah. like what becomes a what at what point does something become a ruin and this goes back to california we constantly had to beat back bugs animals weeds and if you don't do that every day, it it reclaims itself. So if you left it for a week, does it is it a ruin? Yeah. I mean, obviously not. But like, you know, because you come back, but like is a ruin like the intention of leaving somewhere and not coming back? Or like, you know, having to leave somewhere and you think you're gonna come back, but you don't. Kind of like um, you know, Chernobyl or something. Right. Yeah. right. I, I've seen like when you were talking about newer ruins it's like those amusement parks that you see that are overgrown with yeah right like i don't think the people who left there thought well no one's ever going to ride these rides again 
you know, yeah. and then it's just, it's, and it's gorgeous to see, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. amazing. Cause I'd rather see that than the actual teacups <laughs> in pristine condition. I would rather look at that, you know? Yeah. And you know, I guess it becomes part of the landscape. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's like why I had this like fashion fascination with uh, Las Vegas is because it's, it's a place that shouldn't exist on like an ecological level and on like a, societal level it shouldn't exist (laughs) it's like it's a place that should not exist and it won't exist soon it's like it cannot it cannot be sustained you know in grad school I never really talked a lot about like the ecological aspects of my work because it was it was it was like a peripheral thing yeah especially because like I had to deal with like the dust of my parents that that part of it felt more immediate but I mean like in the very wide scale, everything leads back to climate change mm-hmm. and what what we are, especially our generation, are going to experience like going forward, and, you know, especially if like Eric, you being from California, it's, I mean, we saw this year what happens, like it's going to happen and it's happening and it's been happening to places that we don't talk about as often. So... I think that's where a lot of my ruinous obsession comes from. It's like, it's almost like, I don't know if it's a warning or if it's like predicting a future that feels all too certain. And so I remember in grad school, they were like, well, this is very depressing. You're not offering a solution. And I was like, but isn't it arrogant to say an artist has a solution to this? Like, I just... Interesting. It's only it's only depressing because you're you're being faced with a reality. Like, I mean, we could change something now. It could be it could be less bad. So, yeah, I just I don't I think it's arrogant for someone to present a solution when it's not there's not a single solution. Not to be too political, <laughs> but getting rid of capitalism I mean, as it is now. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is this. This that he has on the screen is a perfect representation of it. It's like it, you're just holding on. Yeah. Right? Like it's everything is burning and falling apart, and it's just like <laughs> strap some buckles on it because what else the, can we do right now? Yeah. What's the name of this? Someone, What's the name of this one? Um. Oh, perfect title, I guess. If you see that in it, um, time and tide wait for no one. Okay. And this is your newest work, or? Uh, work? yeah, I finished it. Um. I think December, January, I finished it recently. I wouldn't say it's like my absolute newest work. Um, some of my okay. more newest work is on my Instagram. Um, so what, what people are not hearing is that it's a painting that oh, has yes. orange, orange construction straps around it. Yes, um, ratchet sort of. straps. Okay, and it's a painting of some crates in a building and there's a red background and squiggly lines. <laughs> You, you got to go on our website and look at it. It's, really, That's yeah. It is really. <laughs> okay. Um, but what was yeah. the inspiration behind behind this? Um. So some of it's like I actually took like screen screen grabs of um, video I took of in Germany of like traveling from Berlin to Hamburg on the train and seeing again the, the whole car thing that great pan shot of like an expansive uh, landscape. Yeah. And seeing a lot of the um, shipping crates 
uh, again, like this weird fascination with like really mundane industrial things, like, you know, the things I've described in the landscape also like shipping crates and ratchet straps and like pallets and, um, you know, and all that stuff is having a moment right now in contemporary art theory. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not unique at all. I think a lot of artists are thinking about like the materials that make up how we live. Um, was it inspired by Matthias Waldbacken? Oh, yeah, you know what? I started using it and I saw that he was using it like uh, probably before me, let's be honest. But like, why is he stealing styles, dude? Who is this guy? <laughs> no one cares about this dude. <laughs> no, he's so <laughs> I love his work. Oh, he, he has something with Jersey barriers. I've never seen that and now I'm pissed because I've been talking about making work with Jersey barriers for the longest time. You tell me, dude. Like, uh, he's like, you need a big grant to get something like that because those things are really fucking heavy and like, yeah. obviously, like I'm not gonna have one at my house, but like I've been wanting to do something with Jersey barriers. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, <laughs> so he's one of my inspirations, but I, I started using ratchet straps before I knew about him. Yeah. Um, because I found him on Instagram, like I think maybe a year or maybe two ago, like very recently maybe he saw your work i i I, you know i'm gonna go out on a limb and say he did yeah yeah no he's been making work for you heard it here first yeah guys this is the origins (laughs) of ratchet straps in art yes yeah i mean everyone wants to be the first to do something but i'm very like comfortable of like not having to be the first you you pioneered the ratchet strap movement (laughs) i pioneered yeah Good. You're, you're a ratchet pioneer. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I think what happened is maybe Patty Loper might have known of his work, told me about ratchet straps because it was on the ghost bike okay. piece yep. or of like the actual ghost bike that I made. So she was looking at the ratchet straps and I was, I was kind of starting to play with them because I was like, oh, these are cool. Like, I like them. They're they're industrial. They're orange, and I have yeah. Them. You were very excited about the color specifically. Yes, I was like, I like the orange. They're the right color. Yeah, that's the right orange. Ah, perfect. And then sometimes they're that blue too. That like mm-hmm. ugly industrial blue um, that I love to use in my artwork, even though I personally hate that color. Yeah, and then I was she was like, you know, people like use these ratchet straps to tie down things very quickly when they need to move. And that's what this reminds me of. And I was like, oh shit. Like that's so true. Like you just like lash things down when you need to get the fuck out of somewhere. And you know, like there's all this conversation about like mass migration and like what happens when we need to migrate. Um you know, and living in Boston, we're not talking about forest fires. We're talking about flooding. Yeah. Um, and my dad, um, he worked for the DCR, the Department of uh, Conservation and Recreation. He was a diesel engine operator. So he worked these giant machines that pumped out all this extra water from the Charles River into uh, the ocean. So Boston won't flood because Boston's all... Uh, built land. It's actually all like before they filled in Boston, Boston had a lot more like hills. Uh, the name Tremont Street actually means tri mount, so three mountains. Not oh. that they were mountains, they were hills. And so it was a lot more hilly and marshy. 
and then they filled in uh you know back bay which was the bay now it's um you know luxury condos yeah. and ultra wealthy um yeah and i think of where else maybe part beverly hills basically yeah yeah like it's funny that it's built on it's built on nothing like that's it's going to flood it's not yeah. if it's going to flood it's within the next hundred years it's going to be it's going to be fucked so again like it's like that play into wealth and I just, I don't know. I, I think of all these things. I don't know how to all connect it together. And my brain wants it to, to connect together. And like, I know it is, but it doesn't all have to be so neatly packaged in a box and have it be perfectly connected together. Let's talk about motherland. Um, these are pictures of. Oh yeah. Your um, ancestral lands. Yes. Okay. Some of them. Um, this is a. This is going to be probably a lifelong project. Um, So some of these images, this is, I think the captions, um, yeah, this uh, is Corinth, Vermont. That's actually where I did my second residency. And when I got accepted into it, um, at the same time, I was doing some more research on my my mother's side of the family because it's kind of mysterious. And then I saw Corinth, Vermont, and I was like, that sounds familiar. And then I was like, oh my God, that's where my residency is. Like, it's <laughs> a little, it's not even a, barely a town, it's like a hamlet Yeah. Uh, in Vermont, in Orange County. Um, very, very rural. It was, I don't know, it was like really beautiful. And I, I did research about my family there, and I saw Bowen everything. Like, it was like, you know, oh my God, like, they, they lived here, <laughs> like, Part nice. of me is here. Um, my did mom, you put mom's... the ratchet strap on this one? This no, is... that was that. I did not make that. <laughs> I took a picture of that. That was just like the family that owned the, you know, their farm that had the residency. Like, oh, cool. They just, I don't know, haul around some crap. Like, what? When you have a lot of land, you just kind of push crap around and <laughs> yeah, make stuff. <laughs> like, you know, um, this is. Out, this is in the Bay Area in California. Pacifica, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't actually Pacifica. Okay. It's a lie, but um, <laughs> I think it's outside of Richmond. Art is a lie. Yeah, it's all a lie. But it's ne- I mean, Pacifica's nearby. So some of my, when my grandmother's family emigrated, some of them emigrated before my grandmother. So like, you know, before, whatever. I don't need to get into specifics, but they ended up in San Francisco and became uh, like multiple generations of cops. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's loaded history. There's actually like a Life magazine about them, about oh, wow. the Dowers. Like by learning my family history, I want to I wanna go to all the places my mother lived and take pictures of the house or where the house might have been. So I'm sure some of them were torn down. My mom moved a lot when she was a kid because her parents were very, they were very poor. And I want to go back to like, I want to go to Ireland where my grandma was from and like take pictures of that area and just go as far back as, as possible. Go yeah. to like Lithuania where I believe some of my family was from and, you know, either died from pogroms or you know and or emigrated somewhere um so like thinking about 
migrations happening now, like I go back in time to, to view my own migrations and like um, how some of my family were, you know, the original colonizers of this country and some of them were fleeing colonization and, and you know, genocide. Right. Um, so, and I think that's like a very common American history. So it's like, my history isn't unique. I think it's interesting because it's about me and my family, but it's also like, it's about many people's families. And like, I think that talking about it and being like really like, you know, cognizant of, of that is like really needed right now because we are seeing, you know, fascism happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not just here, but around the world, uh, partially because of, of mass migrations of people fleeing ins instability, because right. of climate change so like <laughs> it's just like really nice to hear that you also came from somewhere else yeah because of that well, exact reason right i mean right. i came i um also but but my history is also like no i have to own up to like that that part of whiteness that is uncomfortable and like you know it's not that like my family were like slave owners but like they fucking benefited it's just like they they came here to make life better, but in return they made life very hard for many people who were already here. So, um, and it's not about talking about like guilt. Like it's not a, like being just so guilty you can't move on. It's like it's just just talking about it. like the whole thing with um, Philip Gustin, like his his show being canned at yeah. least now because like <laughs> Eric, I don't know if you heard about this. Um, so there's a there's a guy who used to uh paint satirical pictures of like Ku Klux Klan oh, yeah. guys with like cigarettes and and their painting and it's kind of a critique of the art world. And then it got shut down. We just talked about this on last week last oh. week's episode. Uh it got shut down because they they think any image of the Ku Klux Klan is promoting the Ku Klux Klan uh without any like thought of like what the meaning is behind the work i think that there's i mean again it's i think that imagery is important and i think that people in case people can't obviously people can't see i'm not a white i'm not a white person uh <laughs> my voice will indicate otherwise yeah however um like i'm from guam and that's a property that is or i call it property because it is now yeah. but that's a recent acquisition for america you know right. like my grandparents lived in villages mm -hmm. and then wars happened and they're like we need this it's strategic let's put bases everywhere yep yeah you know so i understand this kind of just like i have family who've talked to me about it you know mm -hmm. and it comes down to this thing where i feel like i read a report about youth not knowing what the holocaust was yeah right if yeah. there's no imagery of it you cannot expect people to know about it right. if you take that away then we're we pretend like it never happened we pretend like it can't happen again you know or when we see it happening we we don't have that cognitive link because it's right. not being shown anywhere it's just mm -hmm. old stuff. It's like yeah. when you go to Rome or Greece and you look at the statues and paintings of yeah. like their old battles and you're just like, 
there's some old people that did yeah. some stuff yeah and like <laughs> to them those paintings were like no this is like why we remember like yeah tragedy mm -hmm. or the the carnage or like exactly but to us they're just like uh, they're just statues <laughs> I, yeah I yeah because yeah, we have no connection to the whatever they were doing back then right and, and th that's the crazy thing about something like drawings of a ku klux klan member being censored is it's it's not that far removed right right it should still be beaten into your head that ku klux klan rallies are happening today yes it's not they like are. they don't happen right yeah you know and so i i think that that's ridiculous it's sorry i just you know like <laughs> going back to you with wanting to know and feeling like you say that you know it's not about feeling guilty or feeling like you owe anything it's about you recognizing that i've gained from this mm -hmm. like even you know and i don't it doesn't mean that you owe money or owe time or owe anything mm -hmm. right it's just about being like i can't look away from what's happening now mm -hmm. yeah. and mm -hmm. be like oh well i you know i don't i don't see it because i wasn't me right, right. like it's it's a real thing that's really happening that's happening all over and we are seeing it today and people just look past it right and it takes yeah. people who are willing to be like yeah i know personally people who benefit from this maybe not but through lineage they're right. me and i've gained from this so i'm not going to turn a blind eye to it now right? right it's you can't make up for the past but you can affect the future going forward mm -hmm. yeah and this is just the bridge our bridge out of the art world this week yeah, <laughs> yeah <sorry>. speaking <laughs> he's, he's not a fine artist and he gets it so yeah. well you uh, absolutely need, not a fine artist at all you don't need like i mean you don't need to be a fine artist whatsoever to like get it i mean to it, get it yeah yeah i mean if anything <laughs> like we need more people looking at art to and, and we meet we need more non-artists to look at art and to get it because but you have to hang the paintings for non-artists to get it you know right you, you have, have to, to push up the philip gaston show yeah yeah, yeah uh, i mean crystal let's talk about your most recent work like uh you have a show coming up in south korea yeah um well i have like a sh not like a solo show I'm not a, a solo show so yeah. <laughs> you're in a show in south korea yeah that's uh so that's including the video that i have with my dirty feet oh cool all right um that was just actually in brooklyn with its installation to accompany it which okay i never thought i could have that shown anywhere because it's big and i have to physically set that up myself because i'm not letting anyone touch all that shit. it's gross it's dirty um <laughs> it's unpleasant so i usually submit just the video what is that what is that piece called oh it's called industry industry and where yeah. can people find it it's on my vimeo, vimeo. Um, okay mm -hmm. what is that about what, what's that work about to you that was filmed in corinth vermont again where like some of my maternal ancestral family is from and i was thinking a lot about like um i don't know like rural rural culture and like rural poverty or not even poverty but like um wealth inequality and how like uh a lot of you know my 
my family, or at least there was a Bowen family that was uh, that that ran mills or something. I, I don't think we were actually related to them, but that was something that was existed in the area and now doesn't. So I thought, you know, I grew up next to Lowell, which is all mills. Like, oh, I think one of the abandoned places I've been in was a mill. And, <laughs> you know, casually, I mean, literally you go to that part of Massachusetts, they're everywhere. It's like not unique. Yeah, um, throw a stone, you hit an old mill. Yeah, yeah literally, if you go to yeah. Lowell, like, it's all mills. So I thought a lot about like machinery and how um, in my family, like a lot of uh, work was physical labor. Um, you know, my dad was like a grave digger when he was in his twenties and then other jobs he's had, it's like physical labor, you know, and, and going far back. And that's like a lot of people's families. So like, I thought a lot about like using your body as a machine and how that's dehumanizing and how we like do so much to our bodies and to make to make this labor so yeah this video it, is the one with the chicken walking yeah it's uh oh yeah that was that was crazy that was <laughs> i mean it wasn't crazy but it was like i don't know when i was recording it i just like didn't expect that to happen that was so like they had like a huge flock of chickens i think it was like their friends that just like rented out their the, um, the residency they rented out part of their yard or uh, property for their friends to have raised chickens yeah. and so like you're gonna lose a couple chickens like <laughs> the coyotes and other you know foxes and stuff like that's just like what happens when you have chickens right so i i saw that chicken carcass and i was like oh no one of them died i better film it <laughs> yeah well the chickens came over to me because they thought i had food and then they were all like walking on top of the skeleton of their their friend. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is deeply messed up. I'm morbid as hell. I'm gonna take video of it. <laughs> so I actually couldn't get like a steady shot of it because I was like, I wasn't expecting that to happen. I was just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And like I kind of like fall over, so the shot's a little wobbly, but that's okay. Well, this has been super fun. What yeah. else do you have coming up? You have a solo show coming up too. I do, yes. I have my first solo show. What, I, what are the dates for that? Um, oh, March 3rd to the 31st. Uh, might be a little off on the dates. But it's at Kingston Gallery. I mean, coronavirus is still going to be like rip-roaring away. So uh, it'll have... Well, they're opening shows now and, and people can yeah. do like social distance and, and see everything. Yeah, but who knows how, like, how long we can do that for. Like, I just feel like we're going to get into another surge and whatever. I think surges will come and go, though. You know? Yeah. Ah, oh, shit. I broke the trunk off of my elephant. <laughs> Bye. It uh, happened, Keegan. You what called a, it. You what a full you... circle. <laughs> that... Full circle. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm filming for my my solo show. It's gonna be a three channel video with some kind of insulation, like a not too overwrought insulation component, but um, some okay. kind of insulation component. And uh, it's called Fifteen Thousand Days. Cool. Um, and I will enlist a friend to perform my poem and. I don't want to give away too much stuff because I'm still like. Don't because if you do, I'm gonna rip it off and do it before you. No, you can do that. It's fine. 
because I'll do it differently and maybe better. So I'll do it exactly the same. I would. I think you should do that. Like I don't know. No, this reminds me so something he'll do. So uh, don't like that's something he'll for sure do. He'll just no, like, but I I would. I immediately texted Matthias uh, about the ratchet uh, rope. Oh, you. That was me. Yeah, that was me. I told him about it. <laughs> oh, you just found this random. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what nationality he is. Uh, He's Norwegian. Yeah. He's Norwegian. Norwegian. Yeah. So I, I texted him. Yeah, I texted him. And... Uh, text him uh, <laughs> that I want a studio visit. Actually, no. I'd, I would. I'm kidding. I didn't text him. But okay, cool. Wouldn't that be wild? That would be. I mean, like. You just have like all these tiny in connections with the fine art world. <laughs> I mean, we do. We do with like some people, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, a lot of our professors are, you know, they're not like, you know, small fish or whatever. That was the cool thing. They were all working. Yeah. Yeah, they're all like they are. They Did are, they advise you on how to like kind of continue your career? Um. Yes I mean, and no. Like I think it's it's hard. Like how do you? I, for like this whole like last year I've been like going insane trying to find something that's not cake decorating not yeah. that I don't love it it's just like I'm not making enough money Andrew and I want to have like our own place so I'm not like Andrew your fiance I'm my fiance yeah oh. um so yeah like I just want to make I don't aspire to make shit ton of money that's not going to happen in my lifetime yeah. that's fine but i want to like not live with well including andrew it's like five other people you know like <laughs> it's and, and i love my roommates but like it's just not conducive to like art and stuff. i mean it is well, it's art. a long-term relationship I yeah it's just not, yeah i just want like i just want to have my own plates and my own like yeah yeah my sister said to me she's like i just don't get you and i'm like <laughs> you know i want kind of what everyone wants like i don't i am not well she's a gen xer so she wouldn't get you anyway yeah, but it's not it's not i'm not that different i'm not like you know i i i want my own space i don't have big aspirations for a house or all these material things but like i i want security i i crave security i'm a very like I love astrology. I have a lot of earth in my chart. So I'm very like, I, I crave like material, physical security. Eric, do you have any earth in your chart? Uh, I don't. Actually, <laughs> I don't know. I was I'm, like, you I'm completely earth free. Uh, You're earth free. But no, I do. Uh, no, not grounded enough. But I will say this to what you just said. I think that a lot of people are striving, like, my one goal that I would really like to have more than anything is just to have what my parents had wise security wise, yeah. like that upper middle class to middle class, like in a safe neighborhood where my kid can run around. But I don't know if that exists anymore. Yeah. Which is the hardest thing to think about that what you want doesn't exist. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, there, there's definitely mirrors of it, but I don't think what, I think I want exists. So it's like that thing, like as you get older, you want uh, how you don't want to deal with people's crap when you come in. Like, why are there shoes in the middle of the house? I have a four year old, believe me. Like, 
Yeah, you basically have another roommate. <laughs> yeah, it's the, and he runs around naked all the time. And you have a drunk roommate, like it's true, and you have to feed him and take care of him. So it's even like more, a lot more responsibility. It is, but it's all you also have super cool things like where you wake up and he'd like gotten up in the middle of the night and fell asleep on the couch naked eating pizza, and you're like, dude, I love that. Great. That's fantastic. That's like that's a whole aspiration right there. Right. It's, yeah. It's that's kind of like. You know, and I, I, Andrew and I don't want to have kids, so part of me is a little sad that I won't get to experience that. Um, have Andrew do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does not want to. We have a cat that kind of acts like a drunk roommate. Um, oh, I would say have him get naked and fall asleep on the couch. Yeah, that's easy. I mean, Fulfill yeah, your, he would, your dream. Yeah. He would probably do that, um, given the chance. And, like, my cat acts like, you know, a child. Like, she'll just, you know, in the middle of the night, like, vomit somewhere. Yeah. And you're like, ugh, clean it up in the morning. Like, you know, like, I mean, maybe you wouldn't do that with a kid. But, like, uh, <laughs> like, uh yeah. Yeah, he's, like, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. Just look at him. Yeah. This whole is lost. Oh, God. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, end this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Crystal, you've been such a good guest. I hope you had fun. Thank you. This was, yeah, thank you, Eric, too, for, like, thank you both for, you know, taking the time to, like, look at, you know, going deep and finding that other woman, Crystal Brown, and getting <laughs> confused and having it be, like, this weird serendipitous thing. I love that. Um, it, a lot of this is really cool to kind of come around, and there's so many connections that I didn't know. Like, I have friends who live in Lowell. That, oh. I, that you know i didn't even put into context that oh are also buying houses and rebuilding them now type thing yeah uh, so that's really cool your artwork is fantastic i oh, love you. all of it i am really interested in traveling and once this is out so um come to I, boston i was gonna say i'm really interested in your your solo show i think that'd be really cool to go to yeah i mean if it's um, not Rona-y, come out. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks man. for jumping in, Bridge to the Art World. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, Crystal, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, good night, guys. All right, have a good Bye. night. Bye. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to what I like to call the end of the podcast. Once again, thank you to my guest, Crystal Brown, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you about your new work and your old work and your history and the buildings that you've snuck into. And I'm only slightly mad that you called me a cake Luddite, but uh, I will let it go, I think, soon. Also, thank you to my guest, Eric Sablin, for coming on the show. You really dove into these shark-infested waters where the water is art and the sharks are artists. So, um, yes, thank you again. Thank you, listener, for listening to this podcast. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, or we can do it without you, but then uh, it's just sitting online somewhere and nobody's listening to it, and where's the fun in that? So thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe. And one last thing before we leave, the School of the Museum of Fine Arts at Tufts University 
hosts the leading contemporary sale in New England every year. It's called the SMFA Art Sale. And this year, they're doing it a little differently. It's all going to be online. So it starts November 9th and it runs through November 23rd. And you can go on the website smfa.tufts.edu slash art sale and find out information on this sale. Um, all the proceeds from the sale go directly to supporting the participating artists and the student financial aid at Tufts at SMFA, the School of the Museum of Fine Art at Tufts. It's part of Tufts now. So um, make sure you check that out. This has been a really fun podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening. Once again, remember to subscribe and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.